Sayshura, I'm Jim Jam. I'm Scoot Magoo. And uh, so, we, to continue on from last week, Scott, did you watch a, a David Lynch movie yet? Yeah. You absolutely, did? Oh, I, absolutely. I, I, I did actually that. didn't think you were going to, I thought you were going to forget about it. I uh, did forget about it. Yeah. I thought, oh, I thought okay. you were going to, yeah. I thought you were going to pick up the sarcasm in my voice. Uh, but yeah, no, I, 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 I'm too tired for that. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I guess we're just going to continue this every week now. Yeah, so. it's going to be the yeah the meme. I will try to do it this week. Um, <laughs> well, Blue Velvet is still on Amazon Prime, so you know. All right, I yeah. will, I will, I will jump on that. I yeah. promise. <laughs> I, until I'll, next just, week. I'll just keep bothering you until you do. Yeah, so, do so. it. Yeah, because eventually I'll. Do, that's that's how it works. Eventually, I'll do it. Yeah. So the, the, this is how I. The, this is actually good to know how to make Scott do stuff. Scott, you have my 20 bucks this week? <laughs> okay, well, maybe, maybe not that. But, like, just a- enough consecutive weeks of me feeling like a garbage person, I'll be like, all right, it's time to just time to just watch it. Hey, garbage people are people, too. I mean, uh, Oscar. Oh, I, I, I have much respect for Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> and he is a literal garbage person. So. Wow, this... I... I it's impressive how quickly we get off the rails. Like uh, I mean, but, but most of this is just me and and just how like <laughs> I I have like what what doctors call word vomit. <laughs> word vomit. So I just feel like we don't even know where the rails are most of the time. Oh yeah, kind yeah, of like no, just I, driving I, I, everywhere. I, yeah, I I'm the guy that that tries to like not even drive the train on the tracks. I just 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 like not give a shit at all. <laughs> so. Anyway, uh, uh, today we have a another review extravaganza. I know it's been a been a little while. Yeah, um, I I think you know I think part of the reason I've I, I think we've sort of not done these as much is I think it's just like you know uh, I think you've been a little busy and like you know the the amount of listening for these type of things is you know generally a lot, especially if you're doing you know if you're reviewing like four albums, uh, which we are doing today, and. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it can take a while. So, uh, you know, let's just get straight into it. Uh, our first album today is a collaboration between um, Dan Rosenboom, Jake Vossler, and Tina Raymond called uh, Trio Subliminal. And uh, Dan Rosenboom is a uh, trumpet player out of L.A. Um, he's a really talented trumpet player. I actually got to meet him. Um, sorry, is it like a li- li- little brag, that's all. Um, but he uh, he's... No, he's the founder of uh, Orenda Records, which is like an avant-garde label based out of LA. Um, and he's also a member of Burning Ghost, a band that I am a huge fan of. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I, I always keep an eye out for what he, you know, sort of has on offer. And this album is basically just improvised, uh, you know, pieces featuring uh jake vossler who's part of burning ghost as well on guitar and tina raymond on drums and um so you know getting into this thing was was interesting i i there's this weird thing that orenda does that like they they will sometimes put their music on spotify but then other times not and like yeah like like this was one of those times that it wasn't on spotify and I'm not really sure why. Um, I, I think it's probably, you know, depending on like how the artists feel about it. 
but at the same time like you know dan is never like you know that like he a lot of his stuff is still on spotify but anyway um so yeah like i I was really psyched for this because just the description of this thing was um like just dedicated to it says dedicated to fierce mind-bending improvisation uh which i think is i'm you know me i'm a little bit of i really love free improvisation i think it's just one of the most interesting forms of art out there Uh and just the i the concept of improvisation itself is something that i i really love that i've taken tried to take personally into my own life Mm -hmm. uh into my own work so you know it's just i I always find it like i always give in like an album that has improvised music a chance um so but you know going into this I, i didn't really know what to expect really because um when you say something like mind bending improvisation um that can go anywhere from you know sort of like scattered improvisation pieces to you know like Mats Gustafsson just like clicking the keys on his yeah. on his yes. saxophone yes very um, true which can get annoying um but i think th- this was more on like you know the there there was actual like you know concrete music going on here um but i personally i i was just i'm i'm sort of okay with it like it, it like like i i i can't think of a single bad thing about this thing at all it's more just like personally it didn't really click with me if that makes any sense uh-huh uh but i want to turn it over to you what what, what were your thoughts here uh, I actually really enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I guess I'm somewhat in the same boat as you in the sense that um, this probably it wasn't the best jazz album I've heard all year, but I thought it was uh, great. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I really like about um, you know this applies to Burning Ghosts as well as uh, you know other projects Rosenboom's done with uh, guitar is uh, it's just heavier than no- normal jazz rock. Yeah, and I feel like like it just adds a certain edge to it. Obviously, free improv is um, abrasive in in most contexts. I think including this one. I mean, not you know super abrasive, but definitely has a more of a aggressive edge than standard jazz. Yeah. And um, I I like what heavier guitar adds to that. I really like how. Um, in some cases, it was diverging a little bit on metal. You know, obviously not not full force, but yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, overall, this was a great release. Uh, I, I found myself um, really getting engrossed in it. Uh, I was I was actually surprised when I check uh, ch- checked the the player, and it was um, I think it was on the last track. Like I hadn't checked it the entire time. It just was so. Um, it hit a good middle ground of being engaging while also just kind of all-consuming like it wasn't yeah. um it wasn't distracting or um totally wasn't really, agree there uh, yeah i l- l- like really i i actually did the same thing you did that like through the last track which is this 34 tr- minute track called hallucinations like i think i was like halfway through that when i was like where are we in this album right now because because <laughs> most of it just like it, it was very it was very engrossing um I, and also, just to comment before I stop interrupting you, um, uh, Jake Vossler's uh, influence, I think, 
creates that heaviness uh, because I, I think he's sort of been that person uh, from what I remember I was talking to Dan about um, who's been who's brought sort of like this heavy edge to a lot of his projects that like you know um, like Vossler really knows his metal and stuff mm-hmm. like that so um, yeah and I think I want to say that he turned Dan onto uh, onto John Zorn if, if really but I, I don't know if that's totally correct. Um, I bet if he was listening, he'll probably let me know. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, no, like, like totally agreed on all of that. See, but my issue is more just like, um, yeah, it, it, like I've like there are parts of this I really like. And I think overall, like, like, like I said, like I, I don't have anything negative at all to say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just more like sometimes you know albums will grab you by the throat and other times they won't um and this was just one of those latter times that you know i it doesn't mean that i'm not going to listen to it again it's more just like uh maybe it just needs i need a couple more chances with it you know something like that i I would also i also want to point out that a lot of this album is is very similar to burning ghosts um yeah i definitely got that vibe for sure yeah like more than i thought it would be um you know that not to say that like that isn't necessarily a bad thing because i burning ghost i think is is the best project i've heard from this entire label like i i i find them to be like one of the more like one of the most cutting edge bands out there um but like there were times in this that was like Wait, is this Burning Ghosts? Like, and I think part of that has to do with with that that band's uh, improvisational roots as well. Yeah. Uh, that like their 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 first album was uh, all improvised, and then their latest album, American Circus, was also improvised as well. Um, so you know, take it as you will. Um, all I have to say anymore is just that. You know, this was this was a fun album. You know, it it definitely it, it it didn't like floor me, but you can't deny just how damn talented the people are in this. So, yeah, I'm really glad you brought this to my attention. I mean, it was it was a really enjoyable, um, incredibly well executed listen. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, they're pretty much in the same boat as you in the sense that. Um, I guess the other thing that I find interesting is that, uh, you know, like the un- unbridled, fr- like that, that just, that wasn't the vibe I got. Not, not that that's a bad thing, but it's just interesting that like when I think of unbridled free, like I probably would think more like Zorn, frankly, or like, you know, like something like yeah. you know, classic guide to strategy. That, um, that, this felt, this felt more on the, cause we've had this conversation before, there's different shades and like levels of free improv. Yeah. Um, I feel like this felt more closer to, like you said, like, actual compositions and uh well i um, i don't know if i would say that i would say like i would say that it, it, it has substance that doesn't necessarily mean it's composite because i mean it, it's you know improvisation it literally means no composition in a sense sure um i think it was more like like i i think that just this that description wasn't totally apt to this album because i i think like you know me personally, when I think of fierce mind-bending improvisation, 
I think of like like you said, Zorn's like classic guide to strategy, or um, like I have a couple of of really strange improvised like solo sax albums that like really verge more onto the realm of like sound art because it's really uh-huh. just you know the the saxophone is just exploring you know the different textures that he can get out of this single instrument uh-huh. um like i consider that to be more mind-bending and like sure. so you know uh in the realm of that but like that being said there are a lot of really interesting textures and tones and just really interesting ideas all over the place on this thing i i personally i loved dan's trumpet playing was really interesting how he had this um sort of buzz to his tone throughout some of the album and i mean Mm -hmm. like i just found that to be a really interesting addition that it it just added like this like like this heft to it that that really worked out well um yeah sorry I, i interrupted you again so this is the uh this is the interrupting episode. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I mean, I guess the last last thing I'd say is I totally agree that uh, I mean, something I've noticed across all the projects um, that I've listened to from, including a nice vinyl copy of uh, Book of Book of Storms. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, which which you got me for yep. my birthday, which is a phenomenal album. It, uh, I I highly suggest people to check out Book of Storms. Yeah, that, that's the, that's a great album. Yeah, it's very, very fantastic. I think the copy you got me is, like, really nice colored vinyl, too. Yeah, isn't it, like, blue and white or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it's really, really, like, all, all around, it's a great, great gift. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, it, it, every single thing I've heard from him, he's been, a you know, been a, a centerpiece. You know, he's a phenomenal trumpet player. Um, yeah. Definitely elevates everything that he's involved with. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they, and uh, I don't know if you knew this, but he was, um, uh, but Dada Leo Smith was one of his earlier teachers. Really? Yeah. That's really cool. Because um, here's one thing. I, I And for some reason, it took me this long to figure this out, that his dad is actually an uh, avant-garde composer as well, like an important avant-garde composer. And, Interesting. Um, yeah, and so the, I think that's how... So I think his dad was teaching at the same university that uh, what Dada Lewis Smith was teaching at. I, I want to huh. say it was in Chicago, possibly. Uh, and which makes sense because I, uh, Smith was, you know, part of the AACM. Um, but yeah, they, that's um, yeah. So he was sort of like that first teacher of him, who in who you know really let him, you know, learn to improvise more. But yeah. So anyway, uh, awesome. yeah. So final thoughts are, you know, this is good. You know, check it out if this type of improvisation, if this type of music interests you. Um, I am definitely going to be, you know, I definitely want to sample this a couple more times throughout the year. Um, yeah. So moving on, we have a collaboration I've, I was actually really looking forward to. Uh, this is uh, Marissa Nadler and Stephen Brodsky. Uh, it's called Drone Flower. It's on, coming out on Sacred Bone, Sacred Bones Records, which I is one of my favorite record labels that's a great label yeah yeah i i always try to keep an eye out for what they're doing because they you never know what's coming out there like Mm -hmm. you know um like pharmacon all the pharmacon's albums are on this thing but then at the same time you have marissa nadler who's like pretty much like a folk musician yeah Uh, you know so it it's you never know what to expect especially marissa nadler's had a really interesting career so far you know just being like sort of fusing like these 
I don't know, like like a lot of folkish aspects, but like with like this dreamy shoegazy almost type of um, like atmosphere to her work. Yeah, uh, I I know. I remember you were a big fan of um, For My Crimes that came out last year. Yeah, that was a phenomenal album. Uh, she has had a string of really great albums. I think ever you know she had. A number of albums that came out before she linked up with Sacred Bones, but ever since she's been on Sacred Bones, um, she's—I don't remember his name—but she's used the same producer or, or different producers who've worked with a lot of metal artists. So I think the producer I'm thinking of, you know, has produced Sun. I think Neurosis or like he's worked with a lot of you know, expansive, you know, doomy bands. So it adds just an interesting element to her sound because they, they produce what what is really... Randall kinda, Dunn? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm I don't know if he's... Right now. Yeah, he's worked with Sun. He's worked with Anna von Housewolf on that... Um, yeah, wow, he has some really interesting credits. Wolves yeah. in the Throne Room, Boris. Yep. Yeah. And it's... You know, obviously, it's it's not going to make the music like the compositions inherently darker, but it does make the sound more vast. I think having that approach to producing a folk album has has kind of set her apart. It's been a very subtle but intriguing difference. Yeah, for me. yeah, and and she's steadily grown, like just you know, to be pretty influential now. Uh, just it, it feels like she gets a little more reception every single time she comes out with an album. Absolutely, um, and she's she's kind of you know deservedly four, so. So yeah, Four Crimes was I think you know, probably my favorite yet. It was just a very very well um, well orchestrated album. It had a lot more supplemental instrumentation than she's you know typically done before. Just a lot more um, rich, detailed compositions. It was a really fantastic yeah, record. I, I, I think some people might want to compare it to like Chelsea Wolf, but I honestly don't like that comparison. She's um, much more folk. Um, yeah. She, oriented. I mean, she, she did. She, well, it's, it's just that like, I, I think they, they use the same sort of influences, but they use them differently. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that, you know, she focuses more on the dreamy aspect of the atmosphere she's creating, whereas I think Chelsea Wolf likes to sort of fuck around and like screw people up with the atmosphere she makes and make something like you know legitimately scary sounding. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, the, this is a collaboration between her and uh, Stephen Brodsky, who's from uh, Mutoid Man, as well as a part of Caven. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, I actually, I, I know him more from from watching Two Minutes to Late Night because Mutoid Man <laughs> is is the um. Is the opening? They're the house band, so he always has something funny to say, and he always says it in like this, like in his like gargling scream voice, and it's fucking great. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I, you know, just the artwork on this thing, and just the name Drone Flower really got me interested, and just like seeing these two artists, you know, come out with something because I, I did not expect a collaboration like this, frankly. Um, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that the two you know know each other because Caven is a Massachusetts band I rem- if I remember right yes and Marissa Nadler's based in Boston as well so like you know it I'm not surprised but I just didn't expect the you know this to come out um with that being said uh you know the sound here is is interesting to say the least like I th- this is a very like dense record I would say 
despite the fact that it's like a little over half an hour, like there's just a lot to parse through on it. And I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it. Um, you know, I, so like I was listening to it again this morning. Um, and like, I, when I was listening to it for the first time, like the first two tracks, space ghost one, uh, which doesn't have anything to do with, with space ghost coast to coast, sadly. Um, <laughs> but, uh, in the second track for the sun, I really liked both of these because I, I loved like the apocalyptic vibe of for the sun. Like it just had like this really creepy tone to it. And, like, her lyrics are, like, you know, like, I'm waiting for the sun to fall, which, like, is, like, just so freaking just dark, like, just the way it's said. Uh-huh. Um, that I, I was, like, in, like, I think that's, it's easily the best track on this album. Like, I, I think it's an amazing track. But, like, as it goes on, I felt like it sort of lost, um you know sort of lost the power that it had in those two tracks uh but i I don't know what what do you think i i thought this was very i was kind of disappointed in how unsurprising a lot of this was see Uh, me too yeah it took a step back from like i really enjoyed the albums going up to for her crimes her most recent one yeah uh I think Four of Crimes was a progression and, and it, it made some uh, interesting developments in her sound with, you know, different instrumentation, just the way that she, you know, composed the folk elements in and of themselves. Um, but this was almost a somewhat less interesting version of uh, kind of the more stripped back folk albums she's released before. But more, I think the thing that I was most surprised by is that I forget what the lead single was, but it had, it was a bit darker and I kind of I attributed that to Brodsky, but in listening to the album again and even that track again, I I would not have guessed that he was there was even another collaborator on this. Mm. And I, I guess you know maybe this style it doesn't make it that clear, but I expected more of a of a metal tinge to this. You know, whether post metal kind of even approaching more towards a Chelsea Wolf style sound, maybe even like some neurosis influences here and there or what have you uh it just i i don't think i would have thought there was anything i thought basically if you just said this was another marissa nadler album it that's exactly what it sounded yeah it's it it didn't it didn't sound any different it didn't sound like there was anything about it that was um you know noteworthy because obviously the fact that she's collaborating with stephen brodsky is quite a noteworthy thing yeah um it just it I don't know. It just it, it caught it's, me off guard. It's, it's how kind of like it, it's like it's like more flower than drone. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, frankly, yeah, that's a pretty good good way to put it. Yeah, um, but um, I, if you look into the details, just to um, you know, rebuttal a little bit, even though I I'm actually in agreement with you, um, they, uh, Brosky has a surprising amount of you know, uh, credit on this album. Like, it's really mm-hmm. much more of a collaboration than you would think, given, you know, like, given how it sounds, you would think mm-hmm. that it's mostly Mercy than that. But he, like, there are a couple tracks on here that, like, started off apparently as piano pieces that he wrote. You know? Interesting. And, yeah, and, like, little little things like that. So it's, you know, he definitely has a very solid hand in creating this album. Uh, but you you are right. Like it just it just does sound more 
like a Marissa Nadler album. I, I was really hoping for, you know, like you were saying too, like more of a um, something heavier, you know, or at least not like something really experimental. Because like when I picture these two coming together and when I see this artwork, that tells me that like, oh, th- these guys are doing like, you know, something almost akin to like a Sun album. But mm-hmm. like, but like Sun's more like experimental side. You yeah. Know, like, I mean, exactly. That's yeah. pretty much exactly what I was expecting. Exactly. And just, you know, um, I... I think, yeah, I've said this before here, but, you know, I, our expectations never match reality. Um, so, like, I think that's worth keeping in mind. But at the same time, the way this album is sort of um, portrayed and marketed, it just seems kind of a misnomer. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, obviously, I don't doubt that uh, Brodsky had a, uh, or rather, I, I didn't doubt that he had a significant part in the songwriting. Yeah. I just thought he would bring a different type or you know flavor of songwriting to the mix. Yeah. Like it sounds like he he kind of came to Marissa Nadler with kind of his own interpretation on her style, and not hey let's let's expand or let's send you know let's do something different. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, like again, I think this is a fine album, but yeah. um, I think her solo outings of this kind of more straightforward ilk were more interesting and especially her most recent album that kind of you know progressed her career definitely more interesting than this yeah um so yeah again this um it's kind of similar a similar vein uh, to uh the last album we talked to except i would say this is a slightly more negative yeah is that you know like whereas um you know, I, th- I thought the last album was good, full stop. Like, I thought this was good, dot, dot, dot. But it's just kind of... It's just kind of there. Like, I, I... I try not to go into a lot of albums with expectations. Like, I, I try to let, you know, the actual music speak for itself. Yeah. And uh, in this case, it was a little difficult just because... I mean, there's certain things you expect when you have someone... I mean, Caven and Mutoid Man are, you know, two great bands that have... Um, especially Cave In has such a rich, uh, a rich collection of ideas throughout their entire catalog. Yeah. I expected you know, maybe something more spacey, maybe some of their more uh, improvisational, you know, tilts that they've had over their career. I mean, I feel like there's a lo- there's a lot this could have been, and it just yeah. it wasn't. It, w- it ended up being the safest of all those options. Yeah. So I, I'm just curious, how many times did you listen to this? Mm. let's do it a couple times i felt mm. like you know definitely through the second listen it was it was very obvious where like it, i thought maybe the first time i listened to it i um you know maybe i was too harsh or you know i i you know wasn't listening to it close enough but really i think it's it's pretty straightforward what it is and what it is is good just i i can't say that it's uh, yeah. something that's truly exciting me that much yeah so like I'm I'm in agreement with you. I I think that when it comes to because like I think the positives in this album come out more in the production and mm-hmm. in some of the performance than it does in the actual songwriting. Yeah, absolutely. Which isn't exactly like is it's a positive in a way, but I think there's a trade off because I think you know without without solid songwriting, you know, an album can be you know an album can be impeccably produced, but if the songs themselves aren't you know rooted in some sort of you know strong 
uh, material, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's just it's gonna go nowhere. You know, exactly. it, it, it it it's like it's like a, it's like having like a Ferrari but with no engine. Yeah, like, pretty pretty yeah. much. Um, but you know, listening into a couple of these tracks, like even the later tracks, where I felt like it sort of um, boiled off a little bit for me, I still liked the atmosphere that was created. And yeah, there's just like if you really focus on that aspect of it, I feel like you could get a lot out of this. But um, that's, you know, I think that's a tough thing to do because I think they're trying to go for, like, pretty straightforward songs. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, like, if they were doing something focusing more on atmosphere, um, I think that this could have, you know, turned out to be, like, a you know a real hidden gem of this year. Um, yeah. So, sadly, that it's, it's a little disappointing. Um, you know, I... I, I will say that like I, I think everybody's like you know performance on it is really great. Um, Marissa Nadler always has an interesting voice that mm-hmm. she brings to the table, and I think I, I love how it's just sort of like it, it it's like lost in the mix almost. Like mm-hmm. it, it has like this very ethereal quality, but it, it sort of like it's it's like stealthy, like it sort of sneaks underneath your senses. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, there's always a lot of like reverb and like, you know, uh, effects, you know, are like sort of coding her voice to a certain degree. So like, I, I, I think those parts of it are really cool, but like, you know, as a whole, as a whole experience, it just doesn't add up to something for me. So, yeah, I'm totally in the same boat. Yeah. It's kind of disappointing. I was really hoping that this was going to be like, like, you know, mind blowing. Cause I think, I think it had the potential to be that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, I, I I feel like knowing these guys, I feel like they'll probably come out with something else at some point. And uh, you know, I, I want to keep my ear open for for you know what both of these guys do. So, um, okay, so we're gonna move on. Uh, he, so this is about we when when this was announced, we were like we're totally covering this. Uh, this is a new Sun album, Life Metal. Uh, and I don't know a whole mu- whole lot about Sun. I think this is this is really like the first Sun album that I've like really listened to. So I'm you know Scott, well, well, why don't you um, why don't you take over this one for me? Yeah, so Sun kind of took um, you know drone metal spawned out of bands like Earth, you know, which we, we've covered before. Sleep, uh, even Melvin's the Melvin's album, album uh, Lysol was a big influencer. Hmm. Uh, Sun is basically like drone metal at its purest form, especially when they first came out. They came out with uh, a couple albums, uh, uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, this, this ambiguation, I think. Yeah. Um, I, or let me, I, it does have a weird, Oh, Oh, void. Oh, yeah. void. Yeah. Double yeah, O void. Uh, yeah. Double O void. Um, and then they came out with fight of the behemoth and really it was just slow, plotting riffs you know like basically when you think of drone metal it's exactly what it sounds like this is exactly what it sounds like um over time they began to experiment they they released uh, white one and white two which uh you know some of the songs had poetry some of them had more um kind of supplemental uh you know chords or flourishes or uh, other aspects to kind of 
add some variety to the um, to the mix, uh, and then they—I uh, don't think I'm missing an album. They came out with uh, Black One, which I think well, is where they... there's White One, White Two, then Black One, and then yeah. you know, Bl- the other Black albums. One really is where things started. They added more. They had some uh, black metal vocalists come on and add some you know flavor there. Um, the way that they the way that they did drones on that album was just different. Uh, like they had drones, but they also had some, some tremolos and some other, uh, you know, really black metal influences that, you know, spice up the mix and just had some more intriguing ideas, but still it was a long plotting, heavy droning album. Um, just very, very, very creative. Uh, it, then it, they, they, then they outdid themselves with modelist and dimensions though. Didn't they? Yes. Yeah. Well, they, they had a, a, a collaboration with Boris, which was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I mean, and Alter. Scott Walker a little after that. Yeah. But. And something that they've done quite a bit is, is collaborate with different people. Like, they did a split with Earth at one point. Um, and their return to their own solo offering was um, was Monolith and Dimensions, which is, is a really, really phenomenal um piece of drum metal a lot of dark ambient avant-garde ideas to it uh they had some um you know, choral vocals they had some uh you know trombone different bells uh, and different um kind of orchestral instrumentation just an incredibly rich lush version of their you know, of, of their core sound um and after collaborating on soused with um scott with walker, scott walker they then went on to do Canon, which well, they, was a little... They, 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 there's also Terrestrials with Ulver. In, yes, uh, I think yes. this came out the same year. Yes. Yeah. Um, Which is I I, a good album. It's actually the only Sun album that I've really listened to, aside from Seussed. Uh, yeah. So... It's more of an ambient piece. It, it really it's, is. It's that. That's. I'm going to bring that up later, so... Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, Canon was a bit interesting um it had more of basically as much of a concept as a sun album can have it just it felt more like a progression of a story uh to me it's it's just it's always sound like a sunrise or like a sunset a sunrise on like a really um you know precarious and and somber setting uh it's just the the way that uh attila shazar from you know mayhem fame you know his his vocals on this album, how they, they change over on each of the three tracks, the uh, different instrumentation they they use. I think they have some bells and um, some some more like drums, some more percussion and whatnot, some synthesizers. Uh, just a really really great, uh, really really great kind of excursion in a sense. Um, all that to say is that over the course of their career, I think that they have taken quite a bit from quite a bit from what is a very basic formula they've they've kind of fleshed out something that is is really just doom metal slowed down as as pretty much as slow as it can go and really ran with that formula to create some pretty interesting albums which then brings us to life metal which is their first album in like three years which i thought it was longer but i guess it's only been three years 2015 this four years. Four years. Yeah, that's math. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, first album in four years. It kind of returned more or less to what 
their style. Yeah. Um, despite has... d- despite the uh, the marketing for this thing though, because like we we talked about the um, the announcement of this a few weeks ago, um, and just how like they were influenced by I think it was like romantic painting, uh, like romantic era painting, and and mm-hmm. uh, was it uh, abstract expressionism. Which mm-hmm. is supposed to be like in like shown on the cover, which I think is a really cool cover, um, and very unlike anything they've ever done, you know, when it comes to Almart. But uh, they talked about how like their sound was changing a little bit with this album. That like they 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 described this thing as like brighter, and um, which I can't say I I see that at all, but. Oh, thank God. Yeah. I was um, really hoping we were going to come on the same side of this because yeah. I, yeah. It, um, yeah, it was, yeah, but, but there's some interesting behind the scenes stuff here that I, I just wanted to go over really quick, um, that Steve Albini recorded this and mixed it, which I think is mm-hmm. really cool. And it's a, I guess it's all analog recording, which, you know, I, I'm not saying that analog is the best recording, you know, or the worst. Um, it just, you know, you can get a certain sound out of that. And I think that that recording, I think helped this album a little bit. Um, though, you know, sometimes it's tough to tell the difference, especially if you're listening to a band like sun that like most of their, you know, music is just like guitar drones. So uh-huh. um, also little side note, have you ever, um, you ever looked on YouTube for like sun, sun songs sped up? No, I should do that. You should. It's really funny. Um, it's it's really funny. It, it's so entertaining. Like like they like they'll, they'll take like an out like a, a track that's like twenty minutes long, and you know send it and and compress it into like a minute, and it's the funniest thing to listen to. And they have like Photoshop pictures of of the band. You know like, like you know you know those pictures that they have with them with like hoods on. Yeah. Um, and they, they just put like little speed lines behind them. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I, I think that, that that was probably my earliest experience with Sun. <laughs> Actually, that's awesome. Um, but I really want to know what 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 do you think of this thing before I you know jump in on this. Uh, <laughs> I already know. <laughs> I don't. I. It's just it feels weird to, to because I mean this essentially. I don't even know where to start because yeah, like you know something we've talked about during this uh, this episode is you know expectation Mm. and them kind of putting that out there and the whole the manner in which they released this and just the you know the artwork and everything about it made it seem like yeah they're gonna do something different. this just sounds like them going back to their roots, which is awkward to say in a negative light because I, I like, um, I like just some nice drone metal. I mean, it's not something I listen to all the time, but I, I like the, the heaviness of it. Mm. And in this case, I thought the progressions were okay. It got very, I mean, I know calling sun repetitive is a little, you know, hilarious but <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> but in this case, like on, on, Oh, Oh void, like the chord progressions on that and the drones they created were uh, just more interesting. Like especially the first track, like the the the, 
you know, the riff on that, that is obviously slowed down to infinity, um, is just engaging and heavy and it sticks with you and memorable. I didn't find any of the drones on this. I mean, they're all fine. You know, like I, I generally like what sun do, but it just, it, it just was fine. And yeah. there were, you know, some moments, uh, especially the last track I think was most notable and how it switched it up. You know, they have some organs on here. They have, you know, some synthesizers. Cellos. Yeah, some cellos, but it's just not, there's not a lot of it. Like, and I'm just, I'm surprised because over the, you know, their career has steadily gotten more and more experimental. You know, not, not even, even putting aside their collaborations, which I don't think you can, because obviously that's something they chose to do. Mm. But even in, even in their core solo efforts, you know, Black One, Canon, Monoliths and Dimensions, they were doing a lot more and building on their sound than they had been previously. And suddenly now, now they're basically creating a slightly more... I just feel like they kind of took a step back, which would be fine if the drones were interesting. And I think the drones were just very much okay. Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel bad, you know, kind of focusing on how disappointed I am, but I really am disappointed. Like, this is not at all what I was hoping for. I, I thought they were going to double down and go even more into the interesting ideas that they had been adding to, again, what is a really simple formula and is you know inherently built to run out of steam after a while there's only so many albums you can release that are just straight up guitar drones yeah and i feel like they took a step back from hey let's see what else we could do let's bring in some choirs let's bring in some trombone you know let's let's bring in some interesting um complementary instrumentation and now they're like yeah let's just let's just go back to doing drones except let's do it in a way that is you know less interesting than what we did when we first jumped on the scene uh, so yeah, I was I was I was pretty disappointed. To be yeah, honest. I I think just the way like again with, with similar to Drone Flower, just the way they talked about this album, I think created an like an unrealistic expectation because like, oh absolutely they, absolutely they literally I mean to describe this thing as bright and symphonic, this thing is not bright and symphonic. No, like, it just it just isn't. It's like, and I know, really like, not. sometimes it's like, oh well, that's your that's your opinion, man. Like, I, I, this just isn't. Like, I, yeah, l- l- I, I like, would, I would. W- yeah. w- when we talk about like bright brightness, I, what comes to my mind is like you know major scale tonality, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to w- w- this thing is just full of like you know like I think flatted fifths and things like that. You know, j- just very standard metal fare. Um, you know, I was sort of, I I thought it might sound like um, oh, what's what's the the group that does that uh, album Neon, uh, like Dot Neon or whatever. Oh, um, Landlos. Yeah, they, they they had an album called Burning Sun, Melting Sun, I think, that you know actually had a lot of you know major key, you know, uh, songwriting in it. If I remember right, and like you know, it, but it actually combined like this heaviness with like the drone aspect, and made something that was bright. Th- this just isn't like I, I. It was just really this thing wasn't described well, uh, which is, I, I mean, maybe it's because these guys are so, you know, head first into this type of music that like to them this is brighter. You know, it be, maybe it's because I'm a plebe, but like, you know, I I just didn't see what they were talking about. Exactly. Um, 
I would also say that this is really like I, I said this earlier. This is like my first Sun album that I really listened to because, like you know, I own Terrestrials, I own Seussed, um, you know, which I think are both great albums, but they aren't really representative of Sun sound, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially Seussed because the, the, that's just like it's it's more like a Scott Walker album with Sun sort of providing the sound effects. Uh huh. Um, I've tried to listen to White One before, and I I got through like I was like almost at the end of the first track when I just kind of gave up because uh-huh. it was just like like it was cool like like having like that poetry and like that druidic poetry and like it sounded just epic and everything, but like it just went on for way too long for me. Like it felt like it was just repeating itself over and over again, uh-huh. which is again is is a strange thing to bring up in drone <laughs> music, but. But the, oh. the thing is, is that I feel like Sun in the past has created records, especially with Black One and Balance of Dimensions, where that wasn't an issue. Like they found a way, at least for me, to take the concept of the drone and you know drone metal and make it interesting and make it so that it didn't feel like it was going on for too long and and make it so that you wanted to listen to it. And it's just weird to hear the ba- like the band that did that somehow forget how to do that after having done it yeah <laughs> like no. you know so so re- so recently you i mean this thing you're totally right like i i really this really wasn't my thing and i think i when i was listening to it i actually just listened to it once uh because i just oh, like i almost do it once it's yeah so long. <laughs> well it was just it was even beyond it being long but like i i don't mind having to sit down with a long album for a couple of days you know, if we're reviewing it, but like, well, what else are you gonna gain from it on multiple? Listens? Well, yeah, exactly. Like by the end of it, it was like, oh, I know how I feel about this album. Like, you know, it was it was very blatant for me that this is just not my thing. Or at least that's what I was thinking at first. But I really want to listen to like model lists and dimensions at some point, and like you know, like listen to like what's you know people consider like more avant garde, you know, versions of this band, mm-hmm. and just see if you know if this is really for me or not but yeah i was like so the first track um between slepner's breaths however you say that um i actually enjoyed that track a little bit um i thought it was like it was a cool introduction but as it went on it just really really like wore on me um mm-hmm. especially the very last track nova or nove um where I think is where a lot of that like cellos and like pipe organs show up. Mm-hmm. I, I just found that track to just be like, r- like boringly, boringly repetitive. And like, you know, you can have repetition that's actually interesting, you know, and you can have drones that are interesting. It's just that like, it felt like they were, they were taking like, like, I don't know, a little, like a minute's worth or like maybe two minutes worth of, of droning and then repeating it for 25 minutes. Mm. And it just felt like it was there was no real progression where it was going and like just like the the cellos and like you know the pipe organs they brought an interesting texture to to the songs but like I felt like they, they weren't utilized as much as they could have been. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I, I was really disappointed. I'm really disappointed to agree with you in the sense that I I. I, I don't know, like, just everything, even if they, they hadn't released that description, I would have been disappointed, to be honest, just because yeah. this this is just not, this is not the direction they were trending. Like, I really, 
I really hate to say this because, you know, I generally like their sound, but this just feels like a step back. Like, it feels as though they gave up on some some of the more promising developments that they made in their career. Um, So, you know, I'm just thinking about it. Like, so it's 2019. So it's been, you know, 10 years since Monoliths and Dimensions. So arguably it's it's been a decade since they were sort of at their peak of like avant-garde. You know, and I feel like a lot can change in those 10 years, especially mm-hmm. when you're part of, you know, like these guys, I mean like Stephen O'Malley and Greg Anderson on their own are very prolific artists. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they they they're doing a lot, you know, and I mm-hmm. think that their taste could change in between there. And they they might seem, you know, like they they might find uh like a return to form like this to be more you know promising for them or like Uh sort of where their own artistic vision is heading as opposed to you know something you know further and weirder than Uh before and you know this is all just you know like i'm i'm assuming this you know i don't i don't know if any of this is actually true or not but you know i think it's worth keeping the time in mind though I, i i still don't think that that exactly excuses um just how kind of lackluster this is mm-hmm. but yeah um i'm with you so i i i, I kind of you know I, I kind of feel bad too just because every album we've talked about here has been like meh <laughs> yeah i was i mean several of these albums came out on friday so i was thinking of texting you and be like hey like should we rethink this but you know i felt like it was too late to change course i, I, and, I, basically, and I, I did that to you on friday Kind but of. like I, I wanted to. I these are things I want to talk about. Like I felt like I, I did have something to yeah. say. Yeah, so. exactly. Like I think that's more important is that you know we're talking about this in a critical point of view, and I think also that you know whether we like something or not isn't exactly it. It, it isn't always a comment on its quality. That, yeah. like, you know, other people can enjoy this. Like, you know, I our opinions matter very little <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Uh, this yeah. is, th- you know, I think this is, this podcast is more about just talking about music, you know, and not, not talking about it in any specific way or, you know, like it's, it's, we're not going into this being like, oh yeah, we're going to hate this. Let's shit on this the entire time. But like, you know, we, we go, we go into each album interested and you know with the idea of you know making sure that you know like like we're we're really listening to this fully or at least as fully as we can Mm -hmm. um and just sometimes it just doesn't work out exactly but we have one more album left one more chance (laughs) yeah um amon tobin uh is a brazilian born producer i think he's in montreal now based in montreal um who's had he's an electronic producer who's had a very interesting career starting out i think really early on with um what they call like jazz step which is sort of it's like he combined a lot of drum and bass techniques with uh samples from jazz records Uh and he you know like which are amazing permutation i think is one of his best albums from that era uh bricklage is up there too um you know, he really, he made a name for himself with that sound. And, you know, as time went on, he sort of got more interested in sampling, uh, you know, to 
and it sort of came to a crux with uh, the album Foley Room, where he actually, you know, took Foley recorded, uh, you know, sounds and used them in his music. And after that, there was sort of like this this change of of style that he sort of started going more into like an like a sound art type of direction, which was um, you know realized with his last album. Uh, I think it was twenty four. No, it was I think it was twenty eleven. Actually, I think Esam was twenty eleven. Uh-huh. Um, and th- I thought that was a really interesting album. I I, I think all of his stuff is really interesting. Uh, to be totally fair, uh, but yeah, so you know he he's had a very interesting trajectory with his career, and um, you know it's been eight years since since his last album. So you know we weren't like I wasn't even I was hoping that he would release a new album this year, but I didn't wasn't really expecting it because you know you, you never know with like someone like him like you know or like him and like Hacks and Cloak that like. It's like, who knows when they'll come out with something else again. Exactly, yeah. Um, so I was really excited when the uh, when he just, you know, the news started popping that he had not only come out with a new album, but he'd also started his own record label um, called No Mark, and I, which is also going to be releasing different uh, music of his under different aliases. Um I think there's one of the alias Two Fingers, which is already a pretty well-known alias of his. But, um, yeah, I... So going into this, I wasn't really sure what to expect. He he had noted before that... I was actually reading a, like a little bit of an interview with him last couple of weeks where he was saying that he has like just like a ton of material that he's just sort of sitting on. But he was also saying that it takes it takes him a long time to make an album like Esam, uh, just because of the, you know, the detail that goes into the actual sound design uh-huh. of an album like that. So, you know, with Fear and a Handful of Dust, this latest album, I wasn't like, I, I wasn't sure whether he was going to go further down that Esam tunnel or maybe pull back a little bit or what. I, I'm amazed by this album, frankly. Yeah. I found this like this is this is a highlight of the year. But I would also say that it's not it's not something I want to listen to a whole lot, if that makes any sense. Uh, I'm gonna try to explain myself a little more that um like the first thing that I found like the first word that came to my mind when I was listening to this album is fragile. You know, it, it has this very brittle sort of sound that you feel like you almost feel like if you listen to it enough that it'll break on you. Mm. And um, so, you know, I liken this album to like, you know, like a really nice chocolate cake that like you can't have it all the time, but you know, you save it for those times that you really need it, and it's so rewarding when you do. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, because th- I mean. Like he, I actually, so I was listening to Esam um, a couple weeks ago and I actually found it to be a little like, I felt like it ran on a little too long. And um, as well as just like, it wasn't like 
it was definitely a, an interesting step forward, but you know, it wasn't as fully realized. I think now, especially considering this album wasn't as fully realized uh, as it could have been. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, but w- w- I want to hear uh, your thoughts, Scooter. Yeah, this is very. Uh... I thought it was very reflective of, of the cover art in the sense that it felt very uh, fantastical, uh, mm. you know, very, very delicate, like you said. Um, even after multiple listens, I think I listened to this two or three times. Uh, I forget because like each listen I tried to put more and more thought into it. There was just so so much detail, so much um, of an atmosphere. It really felt like a sonic journey, which sounds kind of yeah. hokey to say, but it really did. Like It felt... Um, like he was soundtracking his own story uh, that he you know had created with with the music he put forth, um, and I haven't listened to Isan for a while. I'll have to pull. I'm gonna pull up my vinyl copy after uh, after we're done uh, recording. But it seems like every time I, I've listened to his music or new album, it like provides something different. Like he just is kind of a restless electronic producer. He mm. just likes exploring um, what the genre can do and not so much you know like keeping to a specific style or you know even developing his own sound like he really develops his own sound in the sense that he just tries something completely different or he challenges himself to do something you know something that he hasn't truly done before hasn't explored it to the depths that he has Mm. um this was really phenomenal like i really loved um i really loved exploring this i loved listening to each song and, and pulling out different details and um i really i'm kind of the opposite of you i want to listen to this again and again because i i still don't really even uh, know like what you know what this fully contains it just sounds so yeah i i totally get what you mean i i i just i think like i was comparing this a lot in my mind to um another album that i think is going to be in my year end list, which is a uh, shoe shoes girl with basket of fruit. Mm. And the thing is like, I can listen to that album. I, I, I actually listen to that album every week now. <laughs> like I love it that much. Like I, I think at this point it's, it's just going to be my album of the year, even though we, we don't usually do like a single album of the year. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, I love it that much, but like this, I love this as much. But at the same time, it's not, I don't find it as something that I can just put on all the time. Like, like this feels like something that I just, I want to sit down with and really enjoy. Like, you know, I, I, again, with the food comparisons, but like, it's, it's like, uh, it's like you and craft beer, like, you know. Yeah, that's a good example. Yeah, like other people can just, you know, just want to bud and just want to like, you know, swig that thing down. But you know you you you're interested in like you know the the taste the notes you know you don't you, you drink a beer because you you, you know, like you want to sit down and enjoy it, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to you know just simply getting drunk you know, uh, it, like there's it but it goes with that that it's like you, you can't drink a beer all the time, <laughs> like the I and I'm I'm not saying that this is the, like you know this is the case for you with this album but. That's the case for me is that mm-hmm. every time I've listened to this, I get more and more interested. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I, I don't want to, you know, like I, I feel like just having this on and doing other stuff is kind of a disservice mm. to just the amount of effort put into this album. 
Uh, and I mean, to be fair, every single time I listen to this, I've been doing something else. So, um, but just yeah, like those little moments will just like will just stop me, you know, and just like I I don't know if you noticed this, but like there was sort of like the sound changes over time, like sort of the utilized sounds change. Yeah, that like uh, the first track on the hilltop on hilltop sat the moon had a lot of interesting guitar you know uh or at least i think they're guitar samples and it continued into the second track vipers follow you but after a while they sort of bleed out and are replaced by other sounds mm-hmm. which i found to just to be really cool just like that yeah you know this is exactly what um i was really hoping for from an amon tobin album you know just that you know like just sound art like you know going beyond the you know sort of the structure of like tonality or of of song structure in general you know or even of percussion like there really isn't a lot whole lot of percussion in this thing you know Mm -hmm. and just creating a collage of of sounds that are presented in such an artful way you know i it just it's so fully realized that I, I just I'm really psyched to see what else he comes out with this year. Even though I expect it to be nothing like this, it's just like he's proven himself over and over again to be, you know, just really one of the most forward-thinking like you know electronic producers out there. Mm-hmm. Frankly, like you know, I I think a lot of people point to like Aphex Twin as being like really forward-thinking, but like I feel like Amon Tobin might be ahead of him right now. You know, just in terms of, you know, like, Tobin's always trying something new. Uh, uh-huh. And I feel like Aphex hasn't really tried, you know, anything really, really new for a while. So, yeah, I could totally, I totally agree with that. Like, now that I'm thinking about, like, the last Aphex album that was, like, kind of out there was, like, Drug Cues, which was his last album for, like, a decade. Um... You know, and they came back with what was it, Cyro? And yeah. Like, and it, I mean, Cyro's a great album. The album that we reviewed as well was was really interesting, or is an EP. But you know, like, they they don't have like that same. It it, it doesn't feel like it's an evolution as much as it's sort of like a throwback. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this is just like, like you can hear little bits of Esam in here, especially with um, I think. I want to say it was the track Velvet Owl. Uh, that Either that or Milk Millionaire. I, I, I think it was Milk Millionaire, actually. That I it reminded me a lot of Esam, which wasn't necessarily a good thing for, for me. <laughs> because I was like, oh, it, it, like... Because for a second there, I was like, is he reusing the sounds? Or, like... But, um, you know, even though it has these little moments... Like they're used to such a different degree that like it, it just yeah it's it's just its own thing. So I've I've really nothing but good things to say about this album. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in in the same boat. The only difference being that I kind of want to listen to this over and over again. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of the same thing, but I you know I I'm one of those people who wants to like. Like I, I, I think if if I didn't feel so guilty about it, I would probably sit down for the rest of today and just listen to it on repeat. 
<laughs> you know, like that type of thing. Like so, like I, yeah. I, I feel like I kind of just have to use this sparingly. But like, yeah, just you know, like I think oftentimes with with an album title like this, I think sometimes these album titles can be a bit of a misnomer too. That like sometimes they they feel too grand or epic for the sound. But mm-hmm. like this is just like like. I have no idea what fear and a handful of dust actually means, but it just works with this album. Like it, you mm-hmm. know, you get the idea that like, you know, like a handful of dust to me sounds, you know, uh, transient and, and fragile and prone to, you know, like prone to entropy, like everything else in the world. And I think this album, you know, just on a sonic level, really produces that feeling Uh just immensely so yeah good on you Ammon Tobin you fucking (laughs) kicked ass Um, I think that's that's about all we have I think yeah do you have any last thoughts about this or no I mean you you really summarized it pretty nicely and yeah definitely this I'm glad we had a a glowing note at the end of all that yeah me, me too I think that was the main reason I didn't suggest we, you know, scrap this, you know, scrap the reviews because, you know, ultimately we had a, a really great, um, yeah, great discussion. I knew I figured that you would like this if we'd have a good discussion. Yeah, I, I really didn't know what to expect, honestly, because I, I usually don't listen to like, um, like teaser tracks and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. you know, going into this, I had no idea, and it was just a very, very nice surprise. Um, I think so. Be we're a little over an hour now, so let's just uh, talk about albums of the week. Uh, Scooter, do you happen to have an album of the week this week? I, uh, <laughs> um, uh, I don't want to repeat myself, so I will not pick uh, what Lauren and I have listened to the most of. Beatles again? We, <laughs> what, what? Beatles? Oh no, no. Uh, we we went and decided to pull the trigger um so there's a local music store music connection in the city we live in and i filled up my you know frequent buyer card so i got ten dollars off so we bought all five of simon and garfunkel's studio albums <laughs> on cd for like with the, like 25 bucks which is which is pretty good yeah uh and listening to that a lot but i think that's since i more more recently my pick was their greatest hits i think that's a little redundant i, I so I just 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 pick an album from them I'm no a... well i i had another one that i've been listening to okay. a lot which uh yeah. I, I just like a lot of her her songs from this album were in my head recently so i decided to put it on again and i remember how much i love it and why it got me into her music it's uh the self-titled saint vincent album Oh, okay. um, with uh you know digital witness and uh, kind of it was definitely her most talking heads ask album of her career she always was kind of trending in that art rock direction um you know of course this is me listening in retrospect but um i i had heard about her like i I was familiar with um uh uh, strange mercy like i knew that album existed but i never listened to it and when saint vincent came out in 2014 i think um the self-titled album it uh, it just it grabbed me for some reason when I heard Digital Witness and then you know Birth in Reverse and Rattlesnake it just grabbed my attention and I became a huge fan of that album and you know eventually ended up buying the rest of her albums on vinyl 
Um, she's, she's just a phenomenal guitar player. Uh, she writes excellent music. Um, yeah, I really, really glad that I decided to you know, pick it back up again and, um, you know, give, give it, give it a, a, an overdue spin. Yeah. Um, no, very, I, very, very I, glad I to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I really, I need to listen to that album again because I, I think I, I borrowed like her first two albums from you. And I was just kind of like meh on both of them, but I remember really liking the self-titled album, so that that might might have to be part of my listening uh, this week. But um, I actually, so I wasn't really sure what to pick for an album this week because I think for the most part I didn't really listen to like a whole lot of stuff that really like, you know, wowed me. Like I listened to stuff that I love, but mm-hmm. like. None, none of it really stood out. Like I listened to uh, Soundgarden's. Um, oh, what's the album? Uh, fuck, I can't even remember it now. <laughs> it's it's oh, uh, louder than love. Uh, which was you know it, I've never really listened to uh, like early Soundgarden, so like that was cool to listen to. Uh, I I I had um, fucking uh, there is a light that will never go out. Uh, I probably listened to that song on repeat like 20 times last night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so I, but I did listen to an album last night that I think is my album of the week. And uh, we've already talked about it in this episode. Uh, And it's uh, John Zorn's classic guide to strategy, but uh, specifically volume four. Yeah. It was, I, it was a really cool listen. You know, just uh, it's been a while since I've had it on, you know, and it was just really cool to, um, you know, just see what he was capable of with just this one instrument. Uh, uh-huh. and just, like, how abrasive most of this album really is. Like, I was I, I was pretty sure that my neighbors would be, like, just pissed at me right now for, for listening to this. Because, <laughs> like, you know, to anybody else, this, this is just noise. But, like, I find it to just be so cool. And just so, you know, the, the, the fact that it's just all completely improvised is just one of the coolest things in my eyes so john zorn classic guide strategy volume four has has a pretty fucked up cover um and yeah (laughs) so it it is uh it is a great i remember we listened to it was there an album there or review but yeah that's something like that um it's it's you know such a unique album to say i mean like that's an there's not a word you know appropriate enough to describe how unique it is but it's just a very 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 singular listen in yeah. terms of what what you might find out there definitely definitely anyway especially considering other solo improvised sax albums like um for instance i mean anthony braxton's feralto or mm-hmm. um oh, there's another one i that i can't oh ned rothenberg's um solo pieces are also you know similar but like not quite like it's it's interesting how singular voice Zorn has on saxophone. Um, so that is going to be it for uh, this episode this week. So uh, we will talk to you next week and uh, just have fun. <laughs> All right. Stay safe out there. Right, bye. Bye. <laughs>